What's going on, fight fans? Welcome to another episode of the Fixed Fights Podcast with Kurt and Ben. As always, I'm Kurt. I'm here with my main man, Ben. Ben, what's going on this week, dude? Not a lot, man. Not a lot. Well, actually, no. I'm going on vacation here tomorrow, seeing beautiful Colorado, or so I hear. I've never seen it, but um, otherwise, man, not a lot. Just chilling. Where are you going in Colorado? Uh, see, I, I always have to like ask my girlfriend to see the map. I think it's near Boulder. I could okay. be wrong. Um, all the cities, every time I'm like, all right, so where exactly is this? She's like, oh, it's like near Park City and like names all these other towns that I don't know where they are. So, um, but somewhere in the mountains, you know, just to chill, relax, recuperate, that kind of stuff. Well, I just did Colorado in September and man, it was, it was fucking awesome. Like it was one of my favorite trips I've done. Um, obviously there's a ton of hiking to do. Um Great breweries, great restaurants. I, I really loved uh, Colorado. So I think you'll have a great time. Yeah. There. yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it for sure. It's a good place to like uh, relax and recharge too. You can kind of like get yourself away from like normal life out there. I feel it's really fun. Yeah, that's what that's I mean, that's what I'm looking to do. Um, but dude, we were just talking about it. On the flip side, you're like the exact opposite or coming off the exact opposite experience that I'm about to have going to fucking I mean, we could start the show however you want, but going to fucking that UFC card, one of the best ever had to have been insane. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no other place we should start other than that. Uh, an insane UFC 268. I'm still kind of reeling from it, dude. Like I knew like it was going to be insane. Uh, but like, man, like literally from like, from the get go, like the fights were just great, man. It, you know, even the early prelims, there was a lot of cool shit that happened all the way through the main event. Um, the building was electric, you know, obviously with, with every single card, the prelims start a little bit slow with like people coming in, but I feel like I would, I would say probably by like the ally Quinta fight and then into the Alex Pereira fight, like that place was, was packed. Um, the arena was buzzing. The atmosphere was, was probably the best atmosphere I've ever been in, uh, possibly for a sporting event. I mean, I've been to some, some big baseball games, uh, NFL games, couple different ufcs and mma events but it, there was nothing like that it was it was wild yeah it seemed crazy watching it at home because it was like crazy fight after crazy fight after crazy fight i don't know why my computer's not cooperating right now i'm trying to pull up the bout order but just watching like the early prelims live at at home ever and i was telling the people that i was watching it with like after every fight let me see if i can pull up this bout order here i was like this it's going to be one of those nights isn't it it's gonna be one of those nights where it's like everybody's performing at their best. Oh, it started with like the Chris Barnett knockout. That was like the first big moment where you're like, all right, shit's going to be crazy. And yeah, man, I mean, you can obviously vouch for the quality of the crowd, but I feel like there was very little booze, very little woos, which I'm happy about. Um, The crowd seemed hyped. And honestly, like the fighters seemed hyped. They wanted to, it seemed like they, like it's not a coincidence that Madison Square Garden oftentimes gets these crazy cards because I think fighters understand kind of the history there. They feel some sort of pressure to put on a show and they they fucking do. But man, starting with the Chris Barnett Gian Vellante fight, 
on through the end of the night. Like, I feel like there was not a single kind of slowdown, even, you know. Not at all. Not at all. And they said it on the broadcast, not to go on and on here, but, you know, Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler opens up the the pay-per-view and everybody's crazy. You can speak to this, actually, since you were there. The Shane Burgos-Billy Quarantillo fight was actually, like, a fucking banger, like a, like a really good fight that on a lot of cards would probably even win fight of the night. And the crowd was kind of quiet. And John Anik was like, any other fight of the night, this crowd's going crazy. Any other event, this crowd's going crazy right now. But it's because you guys just right before that saw one of the craziest fights I've ever seen with Justin Gaethje and, and Michael Chandler. So even that like Shane Burgos, Billy Q fight was like crazy, uh, but it just felt like normal by that point. I think I think this week we can kind of jump around a little bit just because like yeah. I yeah I was there but like you bring up a good point man like and we kind of said it last week too like if Gaethje and Chandler wasn't on this card like that's probably going to win fight of the night and it really was a good fight but like I really do think like like dude we were like legit like it, like in awe of that Gaethje Chandler fight like it was fucking insane to where like dude that first round might have been. It legitimately might be top five, like, rounds ever, right? Because, like, just, like, the two guys that were in it, right? Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler, they are literally, and we've said this a bunch, like, literally two of the best action fighters of this generation. And, like, for them to come out there and put on that kind of round, and none of us were expecting that fight to even leave the first round. Dude, we said it last week, that literally the, the, the percent chances of this fight going three rounds was, like, 3%. And, like... Chandler rocks Gaethje in the first round. Gaethje comes back and rocks Chandler. And then, dude, it, it was just absolute madness. I think people were, like, fatigued after that. Like, I was legit, <laughs> yeah. like, mentally fatigued after watching that. It was it was fucking insane, man. It was, it was wild. It was, it was wild. Sitting on my couch, I was fatigued. Like, when right? Anik said like, that on the broadcast, he was like, I caught myself like, oh, yeah, this Shane Burgos fight is a banger. And I'm like... Just kind of watching it like ho hum, just another MMA fight, and it's oh. not at all because before that was insanity. That first round, I, again, I don't know how well you can kind of tell live, but on TV, Gaethje was like wobbly as all get out, and then just throwing home run swings back in the first round, and then that second round, I have no idea how. No Michael idea how. Survived. Absolutely no idea how Michael Chandler uh, survived that. Because like Gaethje getting hurt in the first round. I like I was losing my shit, right? But I was also kind of like, all right, this is a Justin Gaethje fight. Like I, I was prepared for this. I put on my seatbelt. I knew something like this was going to happen. When when Chandler got dropped in the second round, though, was it an uppercut from Gaethje? I think. I thought there yes, is no. Yeah, way. the uppercut started. Yep. <laughs> there is no way this guy survives, and he did. And I think a lot of it too is like. You know, Gaethje was fucking tired from getting his ass kicked and kicking Michael Chandler's ass that he didn't have the energy to like just flurry and pour it on. But what an incredible fight. Is that is that like is that have a fight of the year locked up, do you think? I, I, I think so, man. I think that like again, like I think you have to put into to perspective like the two guys that were in the actual fight, like it wasn't some random like happenstance where like two guys just came together and made this amazing fight. Like this is what this fight was billed as and for it to live up and we got to see three rounds of it. And again, like it, it slowed down a little bit in the third round, but just seeing like Michael Chandler out there, just like waving Gaethje in. And again, it might not have been like the smartest 
surprised to me because if we look at the actual fight, like Michael Chandler was in that fight. I think Michael Chandler won the first round. Obviously, he lost the second round. But the third round, I thought he was in it. I thought he kind of played around a little bit too much, like kind of waving Justin Gaethje in. But, man, if it, I think it's it's got to be fight of the year locked up uh, right now, without a doubt. Um, hats off to both of those guys, dude. <laughs> I, 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 like, And if we talk about, like, I know I'm kind of all over the place right now, but I think, like, a performance like that really elevates Michael Chandler because you can look at it and say, like, all right, Michael Chandler's one and two in the UFC, but if you look at his slate, Dan Hooker, Charles Oliveira, which he was a hair away from beating and winning the UFC lightweight title, and then Justin Gaethje, that is, like, possibly the hardest three-fight slate anyone's ever had to begin their UFC career, and although he lost this fight, I think he actually brought his stock up because I will say, dude, people were very anti-Chandler in the arena. Like, Chandler was getting booed out all the way from the walkout through the fight, but I think, like, dude, like, after a performance like that, even though he lost, and I think the way he's handled it afterwards, kind of, like, making light of the situation, to him, like, waving Gaethje on and getting hurt and fighting back and rocking Gaethje, like, I really do think he's elevated himself, even though he did lose. Yeah, no, I want, I think that's a great point, and I, I totally agree with you, because I think people want to see him now, like, unequivocally, um, People want to see him fight more now. And I don't think people came out of that fight thinking like my main takeaway from that fight was not, Oh, Justin Gaethje won. He might get a title shot next. Oh, Michael Chandler lost. My main takeaway from that fight was like, this is just bananas. And both guys were a hair away from winning or losing at, at multiple points throughout that fight. So yeah, I don't think Michael Chandler's stock really goes down. I think if anything, it goes up because you have a whole bunch of fans that if they didn't see him fight, Charles Oliveira, maybe they tuned in for this card, which is a slightly little bit bigger ordeal, I believe, right? Than you have um, so you have more eyeballs on him, and they're gonna if they didn't know who he was before, they know who he is now and they want to see him fight again. I will so it's interesting you say about the booze. Do you think that's just because people are unfamiliar with him? You know what it is? I think a lot of times, like especially fans that are are just watching the UFC and just fans of the UFC. Listen, man, we saw this with Justin Gaethje. Don't forget when he debuted in UFC, people were like booing him. And like, it's like, they don't want to see these outsiders succeed when they come to the UFC because a, they're uneducated. They might not know as much as them, but it, it takes a fight like this to kind of win over the crowd. Cause now look, I mean, Justin Gaethje is one of, one of the favorites. And I think after a fight like this, Michael Chandler is, kind of made himself a baby face and people are going to respect him and love him. I think it's just a, a matter of people don't know them as much and they feel like they're overhyped coming in. And they kind of want to see them lose and go through things like this before they can really get behind them. Yeah. That, I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, my buddy, I have a buddy who listens to this podcast actually, who only, who has been a lifelong MMA fan, but truly only watches the UFC, like didn't right. hardly knew who Michael Chandler was coming into the UFC and I think there's a lot of fans out there like that that are hardcore fans, uh, but they just all their attention goes to the UFC, which you can do now. Fucking UFC's on every absolutely. Week. Um, so I think it, it makes sense. But those fans that were like, I don't really know about Michael Chandler. It's the same fans that don't entirely know about Yuri Prohashka, who's fucking oh. awesome. The same fans, you know, that, that don't know about a lot of these imports are a little on the fence. But if they were in that crowd before, there's no way you walk away from that fight thinking. There's no way you walk away from that fight being like wishy-washy about Michael Chandler. I don't – I mean, his personality is a little grating to me, but the way he fights, dude, incredible. I it's incredible. Every single it's, time. Yeah. It's literally incredible. 
Uh, so really quick, let's talk about what's next for both of these guys. Michael Chandler called for a fight with Conor McGregor. And honestly, looking at the rankings, like, I don't know if he gets that fight. Although McGregor did kind of 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 respond back to him and say it would be fun, it honestly wouldn't be the worst comeback fight for Conor. And for, for Chandler, that's a big fight. I, I, I do think this could be a good idea because... Um, Actually, first, let me let me get your thoughts on that. Or what do you think is next for Chandler? I mean, I like that that you just floated, and I think it's it's realistic. Like, I think usually it is we, too. Usually with McGregor, we talk about he's you know he's never going to fight like a Rafael dos Anjos. He's not going to fight an Islam Makachev. He's not going to fight no name guys. But after I this, Ch- Chandler's not a no name guy anymore. Not a no name guy. I would I would I would be totally down for that, and I think that's a realistic fight to make. Looking. At the rankings, though. Well, let, can I can I can I make one point yeah. before? Yeah, why don't you so, weigh in on so, that? So, so before you say, because I personally think after this performance, Justin Gaethje deserves a title shot. I want to see him fight the winner, uh, Oliver Poirier, which leaves obviously Islam Makachev. Islam Makachev, match him up with Benil Dariush. I think that's perfect. The winner of that gets the next title shot. So if you look at the rankings, like maybe you could do a Chandler versus Dos Anjos. Or a Ferguson, but again, like I kind of want to see Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson instead. Like, and then he already beat Dan Hooker, and then looking down the list, like I can't see him fighting a, a Gregor Gillespie or anyone below that. Yeah, no. Kind of Michael Chandler's. I could see Michael Chandler accepting that fight if the UFC like offered him a Gregor Gillespie, which would make no sense. But no sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like if you look down these rankings, I can't. I can't think of anybody else that would be on the line. And even looking at like 145, if he wants to like pursue some like, or if any 45 wants to come up, or if you look at the weight classes around him, there's not even really available kind of money fights to be made either. That Conor McGregor fight, man, sign me all the way up. up. I think that makes a ton of sense. And what do you think about the next title shot? Would you prefer Islam Mahachev or do you want to see Justin Gaethje? Do you think he deserves it after that performance? You got to give Gaethje the title shot after that performance. I know he's had, you know, a crack at it recently but after that like i feel like if the ufc says that's the kind of fight that we want no matter what every single time i say reward justin gaethje with a title shot slow the roll on makachev dariush um yeah i think gaethje earned it with that i mean here's an idea go ahead no i was just gonna say here's an idea too for chamber let's say charles Oliveira does go out there and beat right uh Dustin Poirier. Poirier. Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler is like the last like trifecta of all the <laughs> all action fighters fighting each other, you know? That's true. Yeah, no, that would make sense. Um and I think, I mean, my early pick is Oliveira winning that fight. So that that's also on the table. Um, dude, uh, again though, this fight, absolute like yeah. uh, high drama MMA theater at its finest. For sure. MMA theater is the best way to describe it. And it's not that often that our like kind of consensus fight of the year, which I'm pretty sure this one will be, is a three-rounder. Usually in MMA, to, to really bring out the best, I feel like you need a 25-minute fight with ups and downs. This had it like this had ups and downs every fucking 45 seconds. This Literally like walked across the cage and threw bombs. <laughs> It kind of remind. I know that there was no no finish here, but when we're talking about all time great fights, I put this up there in the same a similar category to um, Nick Diaz versus Takanori Gomi, which was yeah. just 
opening minute to closing minute bananas crazy and i think that's what this one was yeah it, it was absolutely wild um really quick before we talk about the main events um Marlon Barrett gets a, a big win over Frankie Edgar. And it was funny, like where I was sitting, we were actually next to a group of people from Ecuador that know Marlon Barrett personally. So it was like, you know, they have kind of a loud sex. And like, again, like I'm a big Frankie Edgar fan, um, especially like Frankie fighting in the garden. I didn't feel like he got the love and, and like pop randomly that he he should have got. Um, Honestly, same. I like legit. I'm glad you said that as somebody that was there live because on TV, I was like, I expected people to go crazy for this guy. That's also a sign of like MMA fans are younger. Most MMA fans have were not around when he was Cause right. Cause like Frankie's prime was, was almost 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Four, like his, like 11 his years prime, ago. prime when he was yeah. like the UFC lightweight champion. Um, yeah. And I thought he fought a good fight. You know, he, he did really well in the first round. I thought, I, I, th- I believe, I think he thought, I think he lost the second round. And then the third round was, was kind of close. But Marlon Vera was taken over and then Cheeto lands that, nasty front kick almost reminiscent to Vitor Belfort Anderson Silva and finishes him I think the big question here and we can get to Cheeto in a second but is it time for Frankie to hang them up man I, that's I'd a, probably say yeah I think I mean I don't think he's going to uh especially because he was in this fight like I picked him to win straight up I thought he was going to um Let's see here. Let's let's look at his. How has he been losing? Is always the key to me. Just it, it's not just that he's losing; it's that he's losing. Yeah. Hard knockout here. Corey Sandhagen, hard knockout. Chan Sung Jung, hard knockout. Ortega. Then, I mean, he's got three pretty brutal knockout losses since 2018. Um, Forty years old. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, he hasn't anything else to prove, and he's clearly not. Like, where's he going to go? And if he's not getting a huge pop in Madison Square Garden, that tells me, unfortunately, he might not be a big draw that the UFC is interested in, like, setting up with gimme kind of money fights or big fights, big, like, kind of opportunities like that. So, yeah, I'd be happy with him hanging it up, man. Yeah, I, I think so. And I don't really – I just don't know really where he goes from here. Because, again, like, I think it's it's completely obvious that he's not – at the top of the division anymore. He's not going to compete for a title. I mean, if he wants to take another fight, maybe I mean, he did just beat Pedro Munoz. But again, like I, I always, I, if Frankie was going to fight again, man, the Dominic Cruz fight is the one I want to see. Um, kind of like two older guys that, that are not going to get any sort of title shots, but yeah, I, I would have no problem with retiring. I mean, again, this is a tough one to retire on, but uh, I mean, it, like you said, he has nothing left to prove. He's not going to get another title shot. Um, who knows? On the flip side, Marlon Vera uh, gets a big win. And Marlon Vera is a really interesting dude. He's been on a roll lately. I think he's deserving of a a bigger step up. Anyone in mind you'd like to see Marlon Vera fight next? I'm looking at these rankings. Um, I know he, I believe, has talked about a fight with Marab before that he'd be down for that and i know that that's a pretty a avoided guy in the division does marab have a, a fight right now i don't think he has anyone lined up at the, at the moment i think that that fight makes a ton of sense like i said especially because i know i've heard cheeto talk about being open to that fight in a division where most people do not want to fight marab i don't even try to say his fucking last name the Wallace um, but if, i mean you going up i mean cody garbrandt i guess he's going to 25 yeah, Garbrandt's Pedro out of there. Munoz, perhaps. 
Um, no, I like the Marab fight. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, man, let's let's get to these two title fights because they were both really good. I think we start at the top with Kamara Usman defeating Colby Covington. And, uh, man, dude, like, the, the again, this was a big one. Like, the feels in this arena for this fight, like, it felt like a big fight feel. Like, I had, like, the goosebumps. I actually I, – I walked around and I got, like, a really good vantage point of the walkouts. Like, I loved Colby's – you suck walk out. The crowd was really engaged. And like, it was weird. Like I forget if it was like the first or second round or maybe both. Like at one point, like the crowd was literally chanting, like let's go Colby. And then a couple minutes later, they're chanting, fuck you Colby. So like, say what you will. And I, and I have to say this after the fight and looking at the big picture, like say what you will about Colby being putting on an act, putting on not an act. He has the crowd engaged to him whether it's positive or negative, and there was a lot more positive than I had thought. But at the end of the day, man, this guy is a fucking gamer. Like, I got to say, he is just – he's in the unfortunate era where he's just got a guy that has a very similar skill set to him but is just better. And Kamaru Usman is just, I think, a little bit better, but Colby's shtick works. And, man, he is a fucking hell of a fighter. So I have to give him props whether you love him or hate him. Um, and you kind of saw a little bit even after the fight, both in directly in the cage and in the press conference, like he kind of break ca- broke character a little bit. And we can talk about his character in, in a second. But after this fight, I got to give all props to Colby Covington. Like, man, he fought his ass off and he made this a hell of a rivalry and a hell of a fight. Yeah, it makes you wonder because you're right that like he does have the crowd engaged in any like love or hate. They're engaged. And that's yes. more than what 90% of the UFC fighter roster can say is like people knowing who you are and having a, a firm opinion on you. Yeah. My takeaway from this was imagine if he had the personality of like Alexander Volkanovsky or Max Holloway, how much more people would like Colby Covington <laughs> because obviously what he does in the cage, I think is awesome to watch a high output, like complete gamer, I think is an accurate, an accurate way to describe his fighting style. Um, yeah, I do want to talk about like his character because I feel like it's changed recently a little bit, or he's he's maybe toned it down a little bit. Um, we can also talk about the fight, but because the fight was also interesting because it was, I think, a lot different than all of us kind of expected it to play out. A lot different than their first fight too. Well, let's talk about the fight, and then we'll kind of talk about like the aftermath with the character and everything. Here, I mean, here's the big question: If we talk about the fight, how did you score it? Because I think you could legitimately make an argument for Colby Covington winning that fight. Oh, for sure. I wasn't confident that it was going to be Usman at the end. I believe off the top of my head, I had Usman 1, 2, and 3, Covington 4, and 5. I think that makes the most sense. And I honestly think, I mean, only Colby Covington and his coaches know probably, but truly at the exact midpoint of the fight, round three, two and a half minutes in, you see... Covington truly start to like change his strategy. And I truly think they thought we're going to be a little bit less passive than normal for exactly the first half of the fight. And exactly the second half of the fight is when we're going to win and put it on him. And he almost did. Like I said, I think I scored the last two rounds for Covington. If memory serves me correct. So I had, so watching it real time at the fight, I had it for Covington. When I rewatched it, I gave it to Kamara Usman, but barely barely and and right. here's the thing like Round obviously the, 
The second round is is really the one where Kamara put on Colby. I thought he was going to finish him. And we were even saying, like, when we were live, like, Colby did not look good. Like, his body language didn't look good. He almost looked kind of tired and defeated going into that corner in the third round. And I was like, man, like, Colby is probably going to get finished here. And then Kamaru kind of led him back in the fight. Like, he wasn't as aggressive. And you saw in the first two rounds, like, Kamaru was really able to back Colby up. And that just threw Colby's whole game off because Colby is usually a great pressure volume fighter where Colby has the guys on the back foot. But Kamaru led him back in that fight. And, man, I, I thought I thought Colby won three and four. And I thought five was the true swing round. And, again, like, I think Colby was a little bit more active in the in the fifth round, but I think Cabarro just landed the bigger shots, which is why I gave it to him. But I really think he can make the case for both. And uh, I think Cabarro kind of, kind of, kind of, of, of got away with one a little bit here because again, I, I thought he won on rewatch. I have no problem with him, with him winning, but I think he let off the gas just enough to where like he, he kind of got lucky here. I think, I think there's a, he did let off the gas a little bit, but I also think part of that is credit to Covington coming out with a different strategy, one that was not so like, like he was, Covington was not trying to to pressure. He was not trying to be like super high output or anything like that. So I think when Usman came out for that third round, he was a little bit fatigued himself from putting it on Covington, but also like he, he knew Covington was still dangerous because Covington hadn't showed all of his cards yet because Covington wasn't fighting in his typical, like crazy high output, like kind of, light striking style i think usman still needed to respect covington's power through the later rounds of the fight because covington was not showing him what he typically does which is like a ton of volume not a ton of power so i think usman needed to respect that power and on top of that because covington fought like at a lower pace than he usually does through the first couple rounds i think usman probably sensed all right this guy's fresher than i think right now and he was i think you know covington known for cardio even conserved it a little bit more in the the first two rounds so that he could put it on in three, four and five. Yeah, to your point, like I think you could easily score the 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 final three rounds for Covington. But I had it I had it three to two first first three for Usman. And I do man, I think Usman is headed towards a pound for pound great status. I think he's already like in a discussion for best welterweight of all time. But I think we're gonna look back and think um this was his like best rival. Yeah, I, I think so. And again, like they had a lot of heat um, outside the case. I, I honestly really did like them. Uh, uh, said like this is really a, a great rivalry, and I think that they both elevated each other. And I think they both realized that. And you kind of heard some of the audio. Like Colby said, it was kind of, uh, you know, so it was all for the show, the all to make money. But I do respect Colby, man. Right after the fight, he went back to the gimmick. And I think Kamaru actually respects that too because, again, like – Colby saying all this shit and it only elevates Kamaru because Kamaru becomes the baby face. Kamaru becomes the guy that gets to beat him. So I think they respect each other in that sense. I was glad to see them kind of, uh, you know, dab it up at the end. Even though Colby went back to like the bullshit, I was happy to see it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't change that you said those things, Colby. It doesn't change that you're kind of a douchebag to everybody always. Uh, But it was like kind of a, a nice moment, even though I typically hate that kind of shit when they break kayfabe. Truly, who broke kayfabe there was Dan Mergliata just calling them yeah, out. Yeah, what the hell? Like, bro, you're mic'd up. Don't, 
like yeah, back off, bro. What the fuck are you Dan doing? Dan was like, all right, you guys, he goes, go kiss somewhere else. Like he acknowledged that they were making up. And it's like, dude, you're not like, I know this is not pro wrestling and kayfabe is a pro wrestling term, but big Dan, you're mic'd up. They're trying to have a private conversation and you're just calling it out to the world that they're, yeah, that, that Covington's admitting it's a gimmick. Uh, but that's beside the point. Um, yeah, man, I think Covington probably gained some new fans for real. Who's next for Kamaru Usman? Hopefully Leon Edwards. But Leon's gotta get Leon's gotta get by uh Masvidal. I mean, I, I do favor him in that fight, but he's still he's still got he's still gotta win it. I do think he's next. I think you got Vicente Luque there. And obviously Kamzat Chamayev is the interesting one. I, again, I think Kamzat needs a, at least another fight, maybe two, but um dude, Kamaru's doing a good job of cleaning up this division, man. He is dominant. Yeah, I, I think Luke, former teammate, is on the table. Hamzat Chemaev is on the table. Um, hard charging. I mean, if I'm talking about Kamara Usman as an all-time great welterweight, I think he's probably going to defend this a few times. I know Sean Brady and Michael Chiesa have a really fun fight coming Big up. Fight, yeah. Soon. Um, so Sean Brady, if he can get back, get past Chiesa, I think is a guy that should be knocking on that door as well. But um, you're right. I think the, the what we're talking about now is like, all due respect to Vicente Luque, who is a fucking killer. Uh, it's hard for me to to not see Kamaru Usman steamrolling in there. And then we're talking about Hamzat Shemaev too. Like, yeah, that guy's great, but we still need to see him in there with, yeah. with the with, you know yeah. we still we need we need to see a little bit more before we're talking about him. Just Kamaru Usman. This is looking so much more and more every day like Kamaru Usman's division, basically. I think uh, Colby was very smart in the post fight calling out uh, Jorge Masvidal. I think there's just Again, like we talk about this a lot, like the UFC has has fights that are, are, are laid out on a silver platter and they get just booked way late, a la Jorge Masvidal, Leon Edwards. But I, I think regardless whether Masvidal wins or loses against Edwards, I think the Covington fight should be next. I think you can put that on like an ultimate fighter and uh, really cash in off, off the, you know what I'm saying? Like, wow. And, yeah. I, and I think you got a lot of new fans engaged after your, after Ultimate Fighter 29 with uh, Ortega and Volkanovski. I think it did really well. Um I think that's the logical next step, win or lose. That's a good call. Especially, I think, you know, Masvidal is not a guy who wants to fight like four times a year. I don't think Covington probably does either. Put him on, put him on the show. Usually I'm, I kind of hate their coaches choices on that show, but that would be fun. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense, but put both guys in front of the camera. And like I said, I truly think Covington probably gained a fair amount of fans from this last fight. Absolutely. If he's thinking about, Dialing down the gimmick a whole lot and showing a little bit of genuine personality, that would be the place to do it. And maybe he can actually get some like actual fans. Dude, I think it would be the abs- uh, the complete he opposite. Would try I think, way too hard. Dude, I yeah. think if he was on Ultimate Fighter, he would go fucking wild with the gimmick. <laughs> like the whole show. But again, like it would bring it would it would be fun. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know who I'm trying to think of what other like Chill Sonin turned off the gimmick, right? To be on the show. When he was on the Ultimate Fighter against Vanderlei Silva also and John Jones, the, ba- the best fights uh, ever. Like non, non I can't let you get close fights. to me. I can't yeah. let you get close to me. Yeah, all time. So good. Um, I don't know, man. Obviously, I am not a Colby Covington fan. I don't like the gimmick. I don't like the guy. I but like the I think there's glimmers of hope that I that he could turn into a genuine person in the public eye. There is. Um, all right, looking at the co-main event, Rose Namajunas defends her UFC strawweight title against Zhang Wiley. 
think you can make a better case for Zhang Wai Li winning this fight uh, than you can for Colby Covington. I thought she did really well in the first three rounds. Again, very close rounds. I think Rose made the right adjustments uh, again in the fourth and fifth round, especially in the fifth round. I think she clearly, I think probably the fifth round was the most clear round of that fight. The other four, very tight. Um, did you score it for Rose or Whaley? I did score it for Rose. I can't remember the round by round breakdown, as I recall. Um, I did score it for Rose, but I'm also with you. Is like when they were reading the scores, I thought this could go. I'm not going to be surprised either way. Yeah, it can go either way. Um, um, but nonetheless, Rose uh, does get a big win. At least puts Zhang Weili off for a little bit. Um, but again, I would not be surprised if these two fought again. Um, I think they're very razor thin. It's funny, like Dana White kind of uh, poo-pooed the Carla Esparza idea, even though Rose uh, said that's the logical next step. I mean, I don't see how it's not. I think I think Carla Esparza makes the most sense. Carla beat Rose for the inaugural strawweight title. Like, how does this not make sense? I mean, the only other option would be Marina Rodriguez, but uh, it's got to be got to be Carla versus Rose. Yeah, and like, why can't Marina Rodriguez wait? Like, or like, I don't know. Right, it's exactly. not like she's going away. Um, yeah, no, I don't know why he'd shit on that. Maybe he just doesn't like the way Carlos Esparza fights or anything, which I'll say to be fair to Carlos Esparza, she has, she's like developed her boxing a ton since she yeah, was she first. Champion. She's a scrappy fighter. Um, and I think Rose is somebody who is like kind of turning into a dependable a side for the UFC. Um, what was the, I'm curious, what was like kind of the crowd reaction? I know. Zhang Weili, there's some anti-Asian sentiment there probably, but what was the reaction to Rose? I mean, I think Rose is the baby face in there. She yeah. was, uh, yeah. you know, and I, I don't think the crowd was disparaging at all towards Zhang Weili. Okay. I think, I mean, she got some booze, but I think, I think that was more, I'm going to, I'm going to say this is more towards Rose being the American fighter and Hey, we're in America. You know, yeah. it, it, America's one of the crazy countries where like the Americans get booed a lot, even when they're fighting <laughs> yeah. foreigners, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I think Rose is the baby face. I think people were happy uh, when she lost the fight. But I think Zhang Weili got the respect that she deserved. They both put on a hell of a fight, too. Yeah, and it was, like, kind of the same dynamics that we all kind of thought. Like, Rose has to move. Weili has to slow her down and hit her with bigger shots. Um, I don't think any of us really factored in Rose's grappling being as as important as it was. But Both on the top and the bottom as well. Yeah, you're right. Protects herself well, did work. That fifth round it was the fifth round she got that fifth takedown. Round, yes. Um, yeah, that's a difference maker. And that, like, that is not that there should be any doubts left about Rose Nema Yunus, but like she, between this fight and her five rounder against Yoani on Jacek, I think Rose has proven that like she's a super, super difficult five round fighter to beat. Um, and she's like, you know. This is it's gonna be a tall task for Carlos Sparza, Marina Rodriguez, any of these girls who are not used to fighting five rounders, uh, to take out Rose Demunis. Yeah, it it is. Rose is very well rounded. Um, hey, I want to see John Wiley rematch uh Joanna at this point. That's, That's quite the main yeah. I mean, Joanna's been sitting on the fucking bench waiting for since the that perfect fight. opportunity. And Joanna has to know that all right, if I can win a rematch against Zhang Weili, maybe I'll get shoot in for another title shot. And I want to see it. That was the best fight of of twenty twenty. Run it back. Yeah, absolutely, run it back. Um, if we look at these prelims really quick, like we said earlier, there was a lot of crazy shit going on. Oh. Um, Alex Pereira making his 
UFC debut does not disappoint. That fucking flying knee was God. absolutely brutal. Um, I mean, here's here's a question: like, how fast do you think they're going to, uh, you know, put Alex Pereira around the fast track? Because he does have the history with Israel Adesanya. Adesanya obviously was watching that fight very closely. Um, is there anybody that you have on your mind that they could possibly match him up with next? Oh man, I'd have to I'd have to dig deep in. I don't think anybody ranked, but I think if he wants to fight a lot, which he probably does, because uh, kickboxers are kind of used to that schedule, I think he could. He could. I mean, the sky's the limit. Israel Adesanya got to the UFC title in like two years, right? I don't see why they wouldn't kind of fast track Pereira, Pereira like that as well. Um, let me think about other other middleweights. Do you have anybody? I'm trying to. Thinking? I'm trying to look. I mean, if you want to fast track, I mean, even like. A Nasruddin Imamov, uh, who beat Edmund Shabazi and uh, or Chris I, Curtis at, on this card too. Chris Curtis, yeah. I mean, anyone looking at other middleweights that just won. I mean, those right. make sense. I think you could put him in there with like a top twenty, even like a, a lower top fifteen guy, and I think he's going to succeed. I mean, I think they're going to fast track him. Obviously, not towards his title shot, but I think they're going to kind of move him up the ranks pretty pretty quickly. And he looks like he's the real deal. Yeah, I mean, he and he did enough to survive in that first round. Like he wasn't dead after getting kind of clinched and walled installed in that first round. Um, yeah, dude, I'm I'm looking around at like other middleweights, all these guys we just named. It should just be somebody hopefully coming off a win with at least a little bit of UFC experience. Put him in there with strikers too. Don't don't test his grappling just yet. Yeah, or put him in there with like European grapplers, <laughs> like yeah. guys that take him down. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. um, moving down, Bobby Green beats Ally Quinta via stoppage. That was a sad one, especially being in New York again. I like Bobby Green, but Ally Quinta actually had a pretty big pop there. But uh, he looked so bad. I, I know he did look bad. He yeah. looked just like like he was wading through quicksand. I don't know like, what if it was ring rust or what, but he like he looked... took two years off of off of his career without. Thinking about MMA, like that could be it. Basically, yeah, that uh, might be it. Um, Chris Curtis, the effervescent man. I mean, his journey to the octagon is absolutely crazy, and for him to come out here and uh, score the knockout victory over Phil Hawes, he was a pretty big underdog. I had Phil Hawes in a parlay that uh, he's the only fighter that did not hit, sadly, but a uh, big win for Chris Curtis. The aforementioned Nasruddin Imamov beats. Edmund Shabazian, is it time? Is it time to to give up on the Edmund Shabazian uh, train, or you know, does he need to go back to the regional circuit and get some wins, or what's going on with him? Well, I I think somebody asked him about it, asked Dana White about him, and I think he's not going to get cut from the UFC, but he needs a yeah. severe, like a serious step down. He needs a serious step down, and the way he's losing after like kind of winning the first round and then just kind of falling apart is not does not bode well for his future it's not like he's getting kind of tapped by like stuff like surprise submission experts or you know the way he's losing does not particularly bode, down man does not bode well for his future and i would recommend a camp change a pretty big step down in competition for him and the last one ian gary gets a big win over jordan williams in his uh debut Crowd is pretty crazy for that one. Not as obviously as crazy as like the Conor McGregor debut, although they are. Um, there's a lot of comparisons to the two, but uh, he looks good. He looks good. 
Honestly, he went through some shit in that first round. He didn't look all that good, but then, uh, you know, he gets the stoppage right at the end, so he keeps that train rolling. Yeah, he, and he's getting the rub, like the Conor He is McGregor getting the rub. rub, the big rub. He was on Ariel in studio with Ariel yep. Hawani. They're going to hopefully not push him too far, or too hard, rather. Um, but he, he's got he's got the look. <laughs> he does have the look. Uh, really quick, let's uh, shift over to Friday night. Um Bellator 270 happened. I think we need to talk about the top two fights from the from the main card. Patricky Pitbull wins the 155-pound title. Finally, the, the belt that his brother, uh, Patricio Pitbull, just vacated. Gets a stoppage over Peter Qualey in the second round. I think Patricky is, is just the better fighter over Peter Qualey. I mean, he I thought he proved that kind of in the first fight, although he did get cut up. And then, obviously... In this fight, I don't think he's long to hold that title with guys like, you know, maybe AJ McKee moving up and Usman Nurmagomedov being in that division. But uh, it is nice to see the longtime Bellator vet, uh, you know, wrap gold around his waist. Yeah, for sure. And that, that I feel like this <clears throat> this card was a rough one. Um, if you're an excited Irish MMA fan in Dublin looking to go see. Big rough one. You know what I mean? Like. Your two Irish guys lost uh, at the top of the card. And yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Patricky, not nearly as good, I think, as his younger brother. And those guys you just named, Usman Nurmagomedov, especially AJ McKee, if he wants to go up and wait. Those are rough fights for him. Yeah, very rough fights. But at least he he does get the belt wrapped around his waist for the time being. You did allude to it. James Gallagher, I think the, the Bellator has been on him for a long time. But, man, he... He ran into a tough one here. Patchy Mix is a fucking stud. Although Patchy Mix did miss weight, um, he looked really fucking good. Uh, although, I mean, James Gallagher, I figured if it was the first or second round, had a really tight guillotine locked up. Uh, but then Patchy Mix ends up submitting him with his guillotine of his own in the third round. Uh, impressive stuff from Patchy Mix. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Patchy Mix back in a, in a title picture soon. I love the way that guy fights. I loved... I was super hyped for his fight against Juan Archuleta when it happened. And I think he's, he's close, man. I mean, he's still pretty like um, stiff on the feet, but his game, his like wrestling, grappling back take game is, is pretty unstoppable. Yeah. It's, it's nasty, man. Um, All right, let's move on to this weekend. Cause we have a fucking banger of a fight coming up again, the whole card, um, Outside of it, not the strongest, but, you know, we had 267 and 268 back-to-back. This is bound to happen, but keeping the main event train going. Yair Rodriguez, he's back. He's taking on Max Holloway. I'm so glad we are getting this fight again. Like, you don't get to see Yair fight that much anymore. And uh, usually, win or loss when he does fight, the guy is fucking all action. And him matched up with Max Holloway is going to be fireworks although i don't like his chances all that much in this fight max holloway is a machine um here's here's a question what do you expect to see out of Gaia rodriguez a guy who's who has not fought much lately he hasn't fought since october 2019 see i don't know and as we're talking here what i'm doing is pulling up his instagram because to be honest i don't even know like where he's training right now um, I don't know if he's back in Chicago. Maybe I see I see him training with Izzy, which would be good for his wrestling. Not that he's going to need much of that. Um, 
Izzy Martinez, the wrestling coach, I mean. Yeah. I, just, I mean, I don't know what his team situation is. I don't know where he's at. I don't know who he's preparing with. I think to answer your question more directly, we're going to see like, like the things we know about Yair Rodriguez are not going to change that he's hyper aggressive, um, pretty fucking reckless. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. And I think he can fight at like an incredible pace for as long as the fight lasts. Um, that's really all we know about him. But like, without knowing like kind of what changes he's went through in his camp, if he's went through changes, like I think the big question here is like, can his boxing and striking defense hold up long enough against somebody who's like way, way, way more technical in terms of their hands and, and overall striking game. Not that Rodriguez is lacking in technique because to be able to do all those spinning techniques is a technical aspect of striking. And for sure he can spin better than Max Holloway probably, but we're talking about like setting things up, fighting in layers, having good defense on the feet. I think Max Holloway is like way better than Yair Rodriguez in all those aspects, unless, you know, we haven't seen him in two years. Who knows what he's been working on? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. We don't really know what he's working on, but again, like Yair's style just doesn't seem like the style that is going to give Max Holloway problems. I mean, Max Holloway is just, you know, he, his chin is fucking insane. So a lot of the flashy shit is, is, you know, I don't know if it's going to hurt him or put him away. And I just don't think that Yair is going to be able to keep up with that pace and that volume that Max Holloway puts on, especially if he doesn't get him out of there in the first and second round. I mean, three, four, and five could get very ugly for Yair Rodriguez. I don't think that he's going to have the grappling to be able to take Max Holloway down. I don't think Max is going to try to take him down. I think this is going to take place solely on the feet, and I just think this is Max's fight to lose. Um, I don't really see how he loses, man. I, I think that he is going to be able to just put constant pressure on Yair um, I think he's going to hurt him. I think Max gets a finish here, probably within, you know, maybe the the second, I mean, the third or fourth round. The odds definitely reflect that. Max is about a minus 700 favorite. Comeback on year is plus 500. But uh, honestly, I think that's pretty damn accurate, man. Yeah, I mean, it might be a little wide, I would say. No. I think that just because Rodriguez has... And not that Holloway is easy to be finished in any way, shape, or form, but just Rodriguez's style in and of itself has ability to like end or greatly change the fight with one strike. You know, we saw that obviously against Korean Zombie, the like literal last second knockout. Last um, and the fact that he was losing. Yeah. To your point, though, Holloway is a guy who like finds order in the chaos. He's a guy who really is good at dictating what he wants to do on the feet, not letting other guys play their game. Holloway can fight off the back foot. He can fight off the front foot. He can pressure. He can draw you in. He can do it all on the feet. And I think this is a fight that by all indication is going to stay entirely on the feet. And yeah, I think, I think we're, I think Yair Rodriguez gets pulled into more exchanges than he wants to. And then just because Holloway has cleaner technique in like the pocket exchanges. I think he's going to win a ton of those. And I think eventually get a, a late stoppage. I don't think Rodriguez is easy to put away. No, at I don't all. think so either. But I would say like, I could see a Holloway fourth or even. I think it's round, just so. going to be a volume stoppage where he's just mm -hmm. kind of pouring it on, pouring it on, pouring it on. It forces the referee's hand. Um, right. But should dude, be an Rodriguez, absolute insane fight. Nonetheless. Well, like Rodriguez does some weird shit. So I, like, I think the first, especially the first couple rounds, like it's always exciting because he's going to do some stuff that you Absolutely. don't expect ever. Yeah. Uh, and again, like, I feel like the, 
Gaier is a very interesting guy. Like, remember, like, you know, he was like the next big thing. The UFC had pushed him. And then there was a point where he remember that time when he like left the UFC and then came back and then he had the, the suspension. Uh, he's been kind of all over the place. And he's still only 29 years old. Both these guys are 29 years old. Um, really fun matchmaking. I'm really happy we're getting to see it. Uh, co-main event. Ben Rothwell taking on uh, Marcos Ruggiero de Lima. Um, honestly, you can just kind of skip around the card. It's always fun to see Ben Rothwell fight. But again, as a co-main event, I don't know. Felicia Spencer on the main card. Songi Dong, Julio Arce is going to be a banger. Um, anyone else you're looking forward to watching on this card? Uh, Miguel Baeza, I think, is a pretty underrated fighter. Taking on Chaos Williams, that should be good. That's going to be an insane fight, actually. That's probably Mark the night right there. <laughs> I have no idea why this is just the second fight of the night. Mark Diakisi versus Rafael Alves. That's a good fight. Um, yeah, I, honestly, there's some good action fighters on here. Even Kennedy and Jukwu against Daun Jung. Um, Andrea Lee, Cynthia Calvillo. That seems like relevant flyweight fight. It might not be super exciting. Um, yeah, there's there's like this is spattered with guys that I'm excited about, I should say. Yeah. Not a bad card. Uh, main event is going to be insane. Uh, f- uh, what is this? Friday night. Uh, really quick. Bellator 271 takes place in the main event. Chris Cyborg in another showcase taking on Sinead O'Connor. Um, those odds are Sinead Kavanaugh. Sinead Kavanaugh. Sinead Kavanaugh. Might as well be I mean, Sinead might as well. Yeah. Sinead O'Connor, Sinead Kavanaugh, they're both getting finished. I mean, Cyborg is... Yeah. Minus 2,000, 2,500 favorite. Holy shit. She should be. Listen, Cyborg's going to remind you all that she is still one of the best women in MMA. I know she kind of gets forgotten about nowadays after taking that Amanda Nunes loss, but she's a fucking savage. She's going to do bad things to Sinead Kavanaugh in the cage on Friday nights. Uh, the big one for me, Aaron Pico is on this card, taking on Justin Gonzalez. Uh Aaron Pico, again, he's he's had his trials and tribulations, but I still think he is one of the better prospects in MMA. He's also on a, uh, I believe it's a three-fight win streak now? Mm-hmm. A four-fight win streak. So, again, he's, he's, he keeps winning. He's going to be up there for the uh, featherweight title shot eventually. Yeah, and they got him a hard one. Justin Gonzalez is undefeated 12-0. Um, loads. Yeah. No, I think Pico is a guy that could still be around MMA for like 10 more years. And we're like only just starting to see the beginning of it, even though he's already been like written off twice. But uh, he will be back. Anyone else on this card you're excited about? Um, Cody Law is a legit prospect that you need to watch out for in Bellator. Like a D2 national champion or something like that. Very, very good wrestler. And I think he... I always get excited when I see these guys come up through Bellator because Bellator can actually create homegrown champions talent. Like AJ McKee is an example. I'm not saying Cody law is going to turn into AJ McKee, but Cody law is a guy that if he's booked, right, you know, he could get up to 11 and 0, 12 and 0 with Bellator only through Bellator. And I think he has that potential. Yeah. Agreed. Um, did you get a chance to watch Canelo Alvarez by the way, this weekend? Just highlights, just highlights. I mean, I was so fucking jazzed from UFC. Usually I spend like my Sunday and Monday kind of like catching up on all the other MMA events, but fuck, no. I I just saw highlights. I saw the clip of them talking in the ring, which I thought was super fucking cool. Dude, he is uh he's 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 the, the man. He is literally yeah. the best. I think he is uh 
And it's crazy because he's only 31 years old, but like he just unified all the titles at 168. He's probably going to go up to 175 in the next fight. Like he's one of those guys where you got to appreciate because uh, he's going to be gone sooner rather than later. And uh, dude, he's just a pleasure to watch. Yeah. And he is like when we had Jeremy uh, on the show to talk about boxing and we were like, Canelo's the number one pound for pound, right? Isn't he? And he was just like, oh, yeah. Like without a doubt, not even fucking close, which is, I mean, us coming from MMA, you don't get that a lot in MMA where it's like an indisputable number one pound for pound. But obviously Canelo is just like so good because Caleb Plant was really fucking good. Is good. Yeah, is good. Uh, Canelo dispatches him. 11th round stoppage. Anything else we need to get off of uh, our chest before we get out of here? Uh, trying to think if there's jujitsu news. Cole Abate, fucking 16 years old, just won the ADCC East Coast Trials. Uh, that, and it was, that tournament was awesome, by the way. Holy crap. Yeah, I spent all weekend, I felt like a kid in a candy shop that could not get away from my TV because it's like, all right, next time there's a matchup that I don't know anybody, that's when I'll go and like take my dogs out. Didn't happen do a that. lot. Constant big name after big name. And I love jujitsu's youth movement right now. That guy, Kolobate, might fucking win 66 kilograms at 80 cc's. He's so good. But then you look at 77, it's like the, the final Cade. Cade, Cade Ruotola versus William Tackett. They're 19 and 20. Like these, these kids are just, they're so fucking good, man. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Makes me look forward to West Coast Trials and, uh, you know, the actual ADCCs, which I'm going to next year. Can't oh, you are there. nice. Yeah, it's going to be in Vegas, man. And it's in September, so I'm going to take my birthday trip out there to uh, oh, shit. attend the event. Yeah, it's uh, – I might have it's, to. It's awesome. I mean, I saw them posting uh, ticket prices for two-day – for the two-day pass, and it's like nothing. I was thinking about it this morning. I think they just posted tickets. Yeah, man. Let's get, let's get out there and uh, check it out. Yeah, I'm down. Um, all right, dude. I think that's it. So, guys, appreciate the support. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Wherever you follow us, hit us up with a subscribe and a follow. We'll talk to you all soon. Face the pain.